Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Red Zone Power Play Podcast. This is our uh, finally getting to the recap of the wild card weekend of the NFL. Um, we are partially over the Steelers' loss um, and everything that went down. Um, we're definitely going to be getting into that today, uh, get into you know the offseason, what it's going to look like with the 18 pending UFAs uh, and very little cap space, as well as getting into our predictions for the divisional round. Um, Definitely was a crazy uh, wild card weekend. Really good games. Um, not many surprises. Um, well, aside from one, but um, everything was was pretty well uh, played out. And definitely were some great games. Can't wait for the divisional round games. Um, but Eve, I'm going to let you uh, take it away on the Steelers. Let everybody know what you're thinking, um, and then uh, we'll take it from there. Well, you know, this one hurts and it's going to hurt for a while now. You know, just this is a team that the Steelers have absolutely dominated over the past pretty much two decades, almost two decades, and especially at Heinz Field. It was like 17 straight games where the Steelers have beaten the Browns at Heinz Field. And the Browns basically said, hey, we're tired of getting bullied by you guys, especially in this stadium. So, they turned it on and they came to play, and unfortunately, the Steelers didn't. Uh, as we as we all talked, it was really doomed from the start. You know, just that high snap over Ben Roethlisberger really set the tone of the game. And when you're down 28 points in the first quarter, it's it, it's hard to come back from that. It, it really is, especially like turning the ball over five times. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger uh, uh, threw four interceptions. Uh, I'd say. Two of those were not really his fault. Uh, one was tipped up at the line of scrimmage and then intercepted, and the other one was off the receiver's hands. But then there were the other two that were that were for sure his fault, especially the last one to uh, that talky-talky intercepted. That was basically his fault. He did not read the coverage correctly there. But then, obviously, the Steelers weren't able to, again, establish a run game uh, because – by that point, you're playing from behind. You're playing catch up. So the Steelers had to throw the ball 70 times, and they almost and they basically did. Ben Roethlisberger went like 44 of 68, I think it was, for 500 yards, four touchdowns, four interceptions. But um, yeah, I am also going to get into defense here. The defense, my goodness, I, the fact that they could not stop Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt, those two are by far the best uh, running back duo in the NFL. I don't think there's any question about that. Nick Chubb being the power back and then Kareem Hunt being the elusive back. It's really hard to tackle those guys, and the Steelers couldn't tackle them all night. And But then, you know, Keith Butler dialing up a Keith Butler special, putting a linebacker on the Brown's number one wide receiver, Jarvis Landry. We've seen that over the past three years now, dating back to uh, uh, John Bostic back when he was with the Steelers lined up against Keenan Allen against the Chargers back in 2018. It's, it's just, you just shouldn't do that. Like, I don't get why Keith Butler does that. I, I, I really just don't understand it. Obviously. I mean, if, Devin Bush was in there it's probably a different situation it's probably a different conversation because I think Devin Bush is athletic enough to stop Jarvis Landry not saying that Robert Spillane isn't you know athletic enough or anything but in that situation you definitely need like Mike Hilton or Cam Sutton or even Justin Lane in there to try to stop Jarvis Landry and then here's the other thing 
guys, you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, but didn't we lead the league in sacks this past year? Yep, the last like yeah. four years. I don't like, even the, think the, it was close. Yeah, the, no, I think the we past had like a ten sack lead. Yeah, the, the the past four the past four years, the Steelers have led the league in sacks, and we have one of the best pass rusher pass rushes in the NFL. In TJ Watt, Bud Dupree when he's healthy, Cam Hayward, Stephon Tuitt. And those guys didn't play the week before in the regular season finale. And though and the JV squad was able to get to Baker Mayfield four times. So how do our starters not get to him once? Really? And then and then like Two Browns offensive linemen got hurt. It was Jack Conklin and uh, their backup, their backup left guard, who was filling in for Joel Batonio. And, and this backup and this guy, I forget what his name was, but he didn't play in an NFL game at all, and he didn't even beat meet Baker Mayfield until that game. And yet he was playing like Joel Batonio would do would play. He shut down Cam Hayward. He shut down Stephon Tuitt. I, I just don't get how our pass rushers couldn't get to Baker Mayfield. Now, give it now, the Browns defense couldn't get to Ben Roethlisberger either. Miles Garrett was shut out basically, so that that was a plus for our offensive for our offensive line. But other than that, our defense should be able to get to Baker Mayfield. We've done it so many times in the past, and we just couldn't do it once. And obviously. N- not forcing a turnover that Steven Nelson dropped interception that would have gone for six. That would have gone for six right there. And that completely would have changed the whole outcome of the game, I think. But at the end of the day, like I said, this loss is going to hurt for a while now. It's, it, it hurt. Then it's going to hurt. It hurts now. And it's going to hurt here in the future. Dante, you, uh, you want it or you want me to go? I'll jump in. Um, yeah, I mean, if you you pretty much hit the nail on the head there with everything you said. I mean, it's it's hard. You, I can't disagree with anything you said. Um, my biggest, I, I, when I think of that game, I just think of disappointment because that's that's just what it was. It was just disappointing. And I believe I mentioned this to Zach once or twice, but in my opinion, this is my opinion. I don't think this this the Steelers will win another Super Bowl with Mike Tomlin as their head coach. No, I, I, I think I can actually agree with you on that because it seems just under him, he's eight and eight in the, in the postseason, And he just hasn't really coached the past two playoff games. He has not coached his best game. No. And I mean, just this year specifically, I mean, I'll get into the past. I mean, obviously he comes in, they won the Super Bowl in 08. Starts off fantastically, but then ever since then, other outside of the Green Bay uh, Super Bowl, they really haven't been close. And it's just not to me. Like if you're if you're going to be competitive, like if you're going to lose, but you're going to be competitive at the same time, like that's that's fine with me. But when the Steelers lose in the playoffs recently, to my memory, if they're like they're either getting blown out or they're just down in a hurry, like the Jaguars game. That's that's the literally the parallel that I thought about when watching the Browns game was whenever the Jags I think they got out to what a twenty eight nothing lead just like the Browns did yep and then the Steelers exactly. almost Steelers almost came back and then you know it obviously fell short but with Tomlin you just see like 
what troubles me the most is you still see the same issues with this team year over year over year. Like, you know, slow coming out of the bye week. They collapse at the end of the year. You know, one or two guys on the team maybe getting a little bit, like, not, I don't want to say selfish, but being a distraction and Tomlin just enabling them instead of just stepping up or even anyone on the team like Ben or Pouncey, like a leader on the team, Cam Hayward, step up and say something to these guys. Like, I understand it's just a TikTok or a vlog or whatever, but, like, that's ultimately a distraction. And and you see the same thing. We saw it with AB. We saw it with Le'Veon. You could add James Harrison to that, too. And then now we're seeing it with Juju and even maybe Chase Claypool after they got beat with his comments after the game. Like, you see the same issues with this team year over year over year. And then to top it off, look at this game in particular. The Browns. No head coach. He's not allowed to practice. He can't even really communicate with them in terms of a game plan. Like, obviously... He had his hands on the game plan, but he's not able to communicate with them as much as he typically would during a game week. Half of their, like, I think their first and second offensive line coaches were out, which makes it even more incredible how they were able to do, like you touched on, with the backups coming in and just plowing through the Steelers' defense. So those coaches are out. Antonio was out. Their best corner was out. Their facility was shut down for half of the week. They couldn't even practice for half of the week. Mike Tomlin and company, they had all the time in the world to prepare, all the time in the world to communicate, all the time in the world to practice. And you come out and you just flat out lay an egg and go down 28 to nothing. I'm sorry. That's that's inexcusable, inexcusable. It's embarrassing. And it's absolutely something that should get you fired. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we talked about it and you drew, drew the comparison to Dan Bilesma, the old Penguins coach. Um, same thing came in, won a super, uh, a championship really early on and just got close one time, 2013, got close one time for Tomlin, the Packers, Super Bowl 45. Um, I don't know what it is with Tomlin because it's always the same thing. It, it, they never learn and you hit on that thoroughly. So I won't really go back in depth on it, but the whole thing just makes no sense because you just saw them the week before. They're missing way more guys in the playoffs than they were missing in week 17. They're missing a coach, like you said. Like, how do you not even remotely look prepared for that game? You were preparing after your week 16 game against the Colts for the week 17 game against the Browns. And you knew... Everybody was going to sit week 17, and if you won, well, maybe you had a shot at the two seed and you would have seen the Colts again, but you knew that you were going to end up playing probably the Browns again, right? So how are you not more prepared going to the playoffs with your starters back? And now granted, the pouncy thing, first snap of the game, whatever, right? right. That, yeah. That's one of those things that Every, every team will make a mistake at some point, whether it's a pick six, whether it's a fumble return for a touchdown, whether it's a kickoff return for a touchdown. You know, something crazy like that. One play, less than 10 seconds, touchdown, right? So it's one of those things that if you throw a pick six there, you're coming out and you're trying to score again. But what happened was they got the ball back, obviously, and they did nothing with it. They didn't even cross the 50-yard line. You were down 7 nothing. In the first eight seconds of the game, 
and you received the ball. Okay. Ben goes and throws a pick. All right. Defense did nothing. And my biggest takeaway from this game, more than anything, you know, granted, two of the picks on Ben, like you already mentioned, Eve, weren't his fault. The other two, one was kind of like, I mean, a lot of them were garbage time, but the last one was literal garbage time. The, the other one that was totally on Ben, inexcusable. You cannot make that throw. He did it all season, got away with it early, didn't get away with it later in the season. But, you know, the defense made zero stops. Now, granted, the first quarter, they were in their own end inside the 30 more often than not. But where's these playmakers? You know, TJ Watt couldn't even get close to Mayfield. To it, Hayward, Highsmith before he went down for the game. You know, Fitzpatrick, none of these big name pro bowlers, they didn't do anything. You just watched them get walked. I mean, Chubb would run for 10 to 12 yards every every handoff. And I mean, it, that, it was at the point where as soon as you saw him lined up in the eye, First down, it doesn't even matter whether it was 15 yards, whether it was 20 yards, whether it was 5 yards. They were going to pick pick it up. Uh-huh. Jarvis Landry being covered by freaking Robert Spillane. Are you kidding me? Keith Butler special. But like, but, and it's like you said, Eve, like how do you not learn from that? But it's Robert Spillane. He missed like five games. Avery like, Williamson had been playing, and the dude's a better yeah. cover linebacker than Spillane. And like, I get it. Like, the Steelers... Like, their playbook is obviously probably built around having Devin Bush in the lineup, so maybe that's oh, why. Yeah. But, like, even then, though, like, you have to adjust to your personnel. Yeah. Devin Bush isn't covering Jarvis Landry. I don't understand that. Like, yes, you were without Joe Hayden. Obviously, Joe Hayden would have been on Jarvis Landry, snap one to the last snap. No question. Unless it was slot, then it's Hilton. But at that, Hilton, like, he's really good anyways. But... They just, it was chunk play after chunk play. And when you get out to 21 nothing, Ben's at the point where they're not going to hand the ball off again. I mean, I don't think they handed the ball off after the first quarter ended. Nope. Maybe once or twice, but like, yeah. There were no, the, the plays were so risky that it put them in worse position. Like at that point, I get you have to come back from a lot, but you got to take some risk and throw the ball deep rather than just this garbage, like 10 yards thing. You need, 100 yards as fast as you possibly can, as safely as possible. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we can also go back to the fourth and no, the, yeah, the fourth and one. I'm glad you said it. it I was going yeah. to. Yep. That was my <laughs> next thing. Yep. Because, like, it, because the momentum was on your side. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I get it. You're trying to draw them off sides and you can't do that. So you take the, del- so you, so they took the, the the delay of game penalty. But at that point, if I'm coach Tomlin, I would have just said, Hey, call timeout and get, get the punt team off the field and say, Hey, Ben, go for it and sneak it. They don't expect it. Ben Roethlisberger did not sneak a single, did not do a QB sneak at all this season. And I still don't understand that. It was an issue. With, it was an issue. Uh, the last time the Steelers were in the playoffs against the Jaguars, that's what got Todd Haley fired. And then, First year under Keith under Randy Figner, the Steelers ran it a few times, but they just haven't run it since. I don't I get I get it. You have an aging quarterback and you want to keep him healthy and everything. But when the dude is six foot five, two hundred and like what, thirty some pounds? At least. 
at, at least. And he's gotten almost every QB sneak in his career. You got to do that. I I don't know how short it was, how short the fourth and one was. It was inside a yard. Like it was like fourth and a half. Yeah. So at that point, you just sneak Ben. Or if you're not uncomfortable with that, put in Mason Rudolph. Put in Mason Rudolph and let him do it. Or give it to Derek Watt. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, that worked so <laughs> yeah. well the two times they tried it. So, you know, I was shocked all, when I saw that. All season, <laughs> you have been in here. Give the ball to Derek Watt. They did it, and it did not work. <laughs> well, no, it, it, no, it worked. Oh, oh it, it worked the first time. The second first time, time, yeah, it didn't work. The second time was terrible. <laughs> but, I mean, I, what I don't understand, and I think I said it the last time we had all of us on, and it was, uh, I think it was the game before the Colts. So what was that? The Bengals. Bengals or Bills. Or Bills, um, yeah, yeah, Bills. Either way, um, they have these – fourth and goals from the one or third and goals from the one or second and goals from the one, any other team in the NFL, whether Tom Brady is the quarterback who's five or six years older than Ben, or it's Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, it's either a sneak because it's one of the most effective ways to get half a yard or a yard. And all he's got to do is reach the ball over the plane in that instance, but on fourth and one away from the goal line, all he's got to do is pump his legs a few times and hope the offensive line gets enough push, and he's got it because he's big Yeah. But the other thing, why not just run to the outside like any other team does On that, in that instance? You get the quarterback under center. It looks like he's going to run a sneak, and it's a pitch play, and they pick up like 15 yards. Or just jump the pile. I'm so sick of them not jumping the pile. It's the most ridiculous thing in the world because you look at any other running back, especially at the goal line, they just tell him to jump. Well, our, you our... reach the ball, like extend your arms out in front of you and jump. These guys have like 40 inch verticals. They can handle it. I was going to say, are, are running backs even athletic enough to like jump over the line or so? Well, that's my thought why they don't, but like, you're not going to get drafted if you're a running back with under like a 35 inch vertical because, or whatever the, the spec, I think I might be uh, 10 inches too high on my numbers, but like there's a certain point where if you can't jump high enough to like make catches, dive over the pile, whatever it takes, dive for a first down, you're not going to get drafted. Right. Along with, you know, your 40, your bench, all that kind of stuff. But it's important things like that that matter when it comes to plays like that because if you can't jump the pile, you're going to do what we do and just run straight into guys. And they're guys that are like six, seven inches taller and 70, 80 pounds heavier. So obviously getting out to the 28 nothing lead was not ideal. But to me, not going for it on that fourth and one is where the game was ultimately lost. Yeah, totally agree. I have. I have no doubt that if the Steelers go for it and get that and score, they're going to win the game, like, flat mm-hmm. out. Oh, they, yeah. like, like you said, if they had all the momentum, did everything swing? Like, I, that's why I just don't understand. Like, it's really, it's really not that hard of a call. Like, I understand all these people bringing in all this analytical stuff, like, oh, you should go for it more, blah, 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 blah. But, like, bro, it's fourth and one. You're in their own – like, you're in Cleveland territory. And you have all the momentum, and you're down. What was I think it was like eleven or something at that point. Like yep. two, I know it's two scores. Yeah, yep. Like twelve, like, yeah, eleven or twelve. Like it's really not that hard of a decision to go for it. And then what happens? You punt it, and then 
couple plays later, Nick Chubb breaks like a 50-yard screen pass, and the game's over at that point. Like he got what they got what they deserved by not going for it, in my opinion. You know then, what though? Go ahead. You need points in that instance, right? You're down two yeah. scores. You're down 11. What happens if you kick a field goal? You're down eight. It's a one-score game, technically. You're on the 40. You're inside the 40. Kick the freaking ball. I don't care. It's cold. It doesn't. There was no wind. They even said multiple times that it's the easiest night to kick in a playoff in Heinz Field history. Mm-hmm. And Boz made the first field goal, and it was good from like 65 yards. Let the dude go kick. Yeah, I, I mean, I just I would have went for it and not even thought twice about it, though. Well, but I that's mean, the thing is if yeah. you don't think a sneak is going to do it or you don't think you can pick up that yard with your offense right now, okay, well, you have a kicker that you pay more than any other kicker in the league, and he's not Justin Tucker. I mean, Justin Tucker, that's a no-brainer. You send him out, whatever, if you don't think it. But, I, like, I don't know. I the, the whole thing just baffles me because you either take the points or you go for it. Because the punt ended up in a touchback, which it's not like you pinned them. Because if you would have pinned them inside the 10, totally different play set. You know you're just going to defend the run. You don't have to throw out Baker having room to throw, extend plays, whatever. It, the whole thing, man, I agree with you 100% to your point that that punt and not going for that fourth and one changed everything. Because they scored twice before it quickly. They were forcing three and outs. And Cleveland was doubt like that. You could see Cleveland was like, "Well, uh oh." Like, yeah, they were kind of you know? like, "Wait, we're about to blow a four score lead." Yeah, like, yeah. We have to step it up. And the defense was gaining confidence because three and outs. The offense was clicking. They were going. And like at that point, as soon as you say my offense can't get it, well, then they're all like, "Well, why are we here if we can't pick up a yard?" You know. And like, we've just been scoring. We've picking up a ton of yards. Like, if you go for it there, not only is it rest the defense. And build confidence with them or like the good, you know, kind of like that good energy where it's like, okay, we're close. Like we're almost back in this. Mm-hmm. But then you go for it, potentially you score again. Okay, you're down four points. And the defense goes out like, all right, this is a legitimately winnable football game. Yep. Energy, adrenaline, the offense goes back out. They probably score again. But by doing that, you deflate your offense, you kill the momentum, and your defense goes back out way sooner than they should have. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. I, you I don't want to pick up eight yards and you kick a field goal. It's the time that your defense is getting back. Yep. And I don't want to kind of stray away from the, the fourth and one thing, but I did want to bring up a couple of stats that I saw on Twitter that were interesting. That goes to our points a little bit earlier on. Um, I, I saw this on Twitter. Chris Adamski, I'm sorry if I butchered that name. but So Steelers have faced at least a 21-point deficit during each of their past three playoff games. They've given up an average of 43 points in each of those games. Also, yep. the last three Steeler playoff games, ready? Time behind, 173 minutes and 33 seconds. Time tied, 6 minutes and 27 seconds. Time ahead, 0 minutes and 0 seconds. They have never led at any point of the game in their last three playoff games. Jeez, that's, that's baffling. That is even the last two they've given up ninety three points. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think this is where coaching staff definitely comes in hand here because they just don't really learn. Mike Tomlin hasn't really learned. Keith Keith Butler hasn't learned, and obviously we've piled on him throughout the past couple weeks now. But Randy Fickner obviously still has not learned, and I think we all expect Randy Fickner and Keith Butler to be gone. 
Uh, Mike Tomlin, I don't expect him to be fired, but I will say that he is on the hot seat. And if he doesn't, if we don't win the Super Bowl next year, he's gone. I don't even think that. I think if they win a couple playoff games, he stays. But the whole thing now is even if you win a couple and don't get to the Super Bowl, Ben's probably done after next year. Oh, without a, without question there. Because even if you re-sign him, he's declining. He's getting older. He's not going to cost you the money he's going to cost you next year. But I think it's at that point where you're like, okay, do we keep Tomlin to help groom the new guy? Like Belichick's staying around in New England because of extended, ridiculous success. Tomlin's never had a losing season. It's great to have a good regular season record. But like Dante said, playoff-wise, he's not done anything since like 2010. Yeah, I think you need to like make a couple statement wins. Like, I don't care if you go ten and six or eleven and five in the regular season and make the playoffs barely. They're not getting the one seed. And if the seventeen thing sticks around, they're not going to beat out the Chiefs. They're probably not going to beat out potentially the Dolphins next year, who might be really good, or the Bills again. Yeah. They're going to be a three, four, you know, kind of like a division winner seed. If not, they're probably like a five or six. So you're playing a wild card weekend, you got to win that, you got to win the next game of the divisional round and get to the conference championship because if you can't show that you can you can advance in the playoffs to the conference championship, what are you doing? You went 11 and 0 and lost what was that 5 5 of the last six, six games? Yeah, like that's pathetic. I just I, I I'm sorry, I just I don't know how ta- like I I know how he still will be the coach, but I just don't I'm not saying he's a bad coach either. Like I, you just noted, his regular season statistics are phenomenal. That his playoffs are a little meh. And I'm sure if the Steelers did fire him and he went somewhere else, that he would do great there too. But I mean, you, you just have to look, you know, take a hard look in the mirror with them. Like you know, similar to like we said with the Penguins and Dan Bilesma. Like it's been a heck of a run, but you know, at certain times you just got to know when's time. Well, when you, go ahead, Eve. When, yeah, I was just going to say, when you only win three playoff games in the past 10 years, you really need to look at yourself and say, well, am I doing this correctly or like what's going on? And, and that's what and that, that's what Tomlin needs to do and say, well, maybe it was this play or maybe it was this decision or this decision and stuff and something like that. And if you ultimately make those decisions – like, let's say a year from now, the Steelers are in the exact same situation. Not saying they'll play the Browns again or anything, but let's say they're in the wild card round, and let's say you're down 11, 11 or 12 points, and you're faced with a fourth and one. Tomlin needs to look back at the look back at this year and say, okay, well, my defense is starting to gain momentum. My offense is gaining momentum. Maybe I should go for this and see what happens. Give the ball to Najee Harris. Sorry. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But, like, the other thing for me, you know, Dante, you talk about, or Eve, you mentioned, like, getting to the Super Bowl next year. I mean, like, you look at it from the perspective of you win a couple games, it's kind of more job security. But also, do you really keep Tomlin around for potentially a new quarterback? Because he knows the old school system. He is a defensive coach. So he's not the one out there grooming the new quarterback, teaching the offense, running the offense. He is solely calling defensive plays. And his specialty has always been the defense right so right that's ne- he's never been like out he was never out there grooming ben in 2008 when he came in right so 
I think the biggest thing you have to look at regarding your head coach, especially, and as well as you know, coordinators, it all trickles down. When you draft a quarterback, does he fit the system of what your coordinators and head coach want? Now, granted, Tomlin's mm-hmm. always going to be like defense first, so it doesn't really matter. Any quarterback's going to be fine as long as you have the right coordinator for Tomlin. So Tomlin probably sticks around, but do you take the route of the Cardinals where you have a Bruce Arians who's a much more old school style when you have Carson Palmer? And then as soon as Palmer retires, you're like, well, Bruce Arians, like we're drafting a mobile, scrambling, playmaking quarterback like Kyler Murray. We need someone who ran an offense like that or ran or knows that better from college, right? So yeah. do you take more of a new age coach or do you stick with Tomlin and go with a very new age coordinator who Tomlin is, because Tomlin needs to be told the coordinator needs to deal with the offense, stay out of it. You know, he doesn't get into it much, but the coordinator needs to be newer school, newer style, because you look at your players. I mean, if you re-sign Juju, you have Juju. If not, you got Johnson, Claypool, Washington. Very young receivers. You have Benny Snell. I'm not super impressed. They're going to draft a running back, most likely. Benny Snell's probably going to be your starter next year because McFarland's behind him and then the rookie. But Ebron, even, is a quicker, more receiving tight end than he is blocking. That's why you have Vance McDonald. You have potentially... If you keep him. Well, yeah, I guess that's another thing, all the cap money that he has. But, um, you know, you got a newer quarterback. He's The Steelers are never going to draft a Lamar Jackson type. They're not. No. They're never going to draft one. They may trade for one if that's the direction the league's going, and we'll get into that in a minute. Um, but if, if you draft someone like Kyle Trask, not that they're going to draft Kyle Trask because he'll be gone, most likely. You have, again, a pocket passer, but he moves a little bit, right? So... You need someone that's younger and not Randy Feekner, who's been with Ben for 11 years. Because if you have Randy Feekner, he's going to expect Trask to be Ben. And he's not Ben. He will not be Ben. You need to look at your coaches and say, into the future, what's my team going to look like? And what's my philosophy? Is it going to change? Do I have a different style quarterback? Do I have, I'm going to do it now, a Deshaun Watson? Or do I have a Kyle Trask? Right? Yeah. (coughs) Doug Peterson. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Wow, I did you get that one out a little quicker? <laughs> no, I agree. It wouldn't be a bad move. If you if you look at just I know, I know there's a lot of defensive names out there too, but look at recent head coaching hires and the people's like the guys names that have been thrown around for potential candidates this season. Mm-hmm. One thing that all the offensive guys have in common is that they've had a young rookie quarterback and they've succeeded with them. Yeah. Eric the enemy. Yeah. Um, who else? I know the guy that was with McVay. I know he's at the Bengals now. Zach Taylor. He was with Goff. Um, yeah. Clingsbury, like you said. Um, I like. There's a ton of guys that are being even just you know considered just based off the fact that they've been around. Uh, the guy from Buffalo. Um, the ball offensive coordinator. Like you, you look oh, at these guys. Yeah. And they've all have that same kind of thing in common where they've groomed a young quarterback. They've had success with a young quarterback and that's why they're getting so much attention. And I I think that's a good thing in a way. Like I I think it's good, but I think it's also kind of flawed because I think a lot of people, a lot of teams, they get it wrong when they hire coaches because they kind of look for scheme more so over like hiring a personality like a Joe judge, I guess. Yeah. Like if I would give you that example, like he was just or John Harbaugh, like he was just special teams coach or whatever, doesn't really have the best, you know, X's and O's, but they hired him because he has that personality. Like he can lead a group of men. 
Whereas if you just look basically off of X's and O's, like maybe they're not good leaders. Maybe they're kind of like fragile, you know, like a Josh McDaniels type. I guess I could use that as an example, like where they just flame out altogether. Like, and I think they kind of get lost in that a little bit because you can always, you can hire the, you know, the, the head coach, you can hire a good personality and you can always find the X's and O guys to be the coordinators. Right. Yeah. But you just need like that ultimate leader at the top. And I think that's where they kind of go wrong. But if you look at the, I, I definitely think the Steelers need to bring in a new, you know, obviously new era with, with the way that the league shifting in terms of offensive scheme. But if, if Ben returns though, I just don't know how they make that work. With well, him. what you, well, what you need to do is rebuild the offensive line and establish a run game an effective run game. That's how you do it. Cause then, because then Ben becomes more of a game manager instead of a hero type is because that's what he turned into being uh, the final part, the final half of the season. He ended up being the guy that Randy Fickner said, Hey Ben, we're going to have to rely on you to win us the, to win us this game. And that's just not, you just can't do that. Uh, Cause I, I was talking to some of my buddies uh, yesterday. And if you look at Peyton Manning, uh, his final year, which uh, ultimately led to the Super Bowl. He didn't throw for over 120 yards in the Super Bowl. Yeah. They, they, they just ran. They just ran the ball, if I can remember. So mm-hmm. that's ultimately what the yeah. That's ultimately what the Steelers need to do is rebuild the offensive line. Uh, I don't know if Pouncey's going to come back or not. I hope he does. But if he doesn't, then you may have to draft a center. I expect the Castro to be back. Uh, I expect Chooks to be back as well. But Big Al's gone. Matt or Banner, yeah, I forgot about Banner, but Big Al's gone. Uh, Matt Filer's gone. Dotson obviously going to start at left guard. He should have started on uh, Sunday night, but that's a whole different story there. So you ultimately, so you ultimately need to draft a tackle and a center possibly, mm-hmm. and then you definitely need to take a Naj- like Najee Harris uh, in, in the first round, hopefully. Probably if he's there, if he falls to yeah, if he falls to twenty four, then you take him. They but, won't take him. I think he'll definitely yeah. be there. They won't take him because they'll draft defense. Yeah, I, I don't think no they take him either. I think they would wait till the second round to take a running back, which is I stupid. Second, I think they're going to go like defense, then offensive line, then running back, which is stupid because he'll never be it. The net, that third rounder will not be any better than Benny Snell. No, it's stupid because the Steelers need to focus on offense in the first round. Yep. Reg- yeah, regardless. Yep. I would be – see, everybody's like, oh, well, like Mac Jones will be there. Don't draft Mac Jones. Why would you draft Mac Jones? It, it's, it's the same concept as why nobody drafted A.J. McCarron. Because, like, he played at Alabama. They are literally better than every other team in college football. That's why they're the champion freaking every year. But, I mean, you draft Mac Jones, he's, one, he's got one really good year. And he played on the best Alabama team that has probably ever been fielded. Like they, yeah. he literally had a five-star all-pro offensive line, the best running back in college football, and obviously the best wide receiver in college football. So probably the second best receiver too. <laughs> yeah, before he got hurt, like yeah. he had everything. He didn't have to work that hard to put up the numbers he did. I mean, if you draft him. You're looking at, okay, this guy may be terrified playing the NFL because he's not going to have all day in the pocket, especially coming to Pittsburgh now that the offensive line is not the same. Like the Ramon Fosters are gone. The yep. 
the, the offensive line they had four years ago is not there. None of these guys are the same. Obviously, they're much older, but they're not playing to that level. So, you know, and I'm going to get into it because I'm ready to. I've been chomping at the bit for this. You bring in a Deshaun Watson, which would be a match made in heaven for the Steelers because he will help establish a run game. Yeah. You don't need to draft a quarterback right now. You have Mason Rudolph. If that's the route you want to go, I'm okay with seeing Mason Rudolph for like a year or two. I can handle it. Like, I feel like he'll get better the more he plays. But if you're smart, you take advantage of a terrible situation in Houston. You get Deshaun Watson on a on a contending team. And here's the argument. I listened to Colin Coward. It was very well said. I sent it to you guys. We have a defense, and he has weapons that are his age that he can develop chemistry with. The two biggest things that he does not have in Houston. Yeah. Who's he have in Houston? Brandon Cooks? Brandon Cooks is about to be 30. They had the best receiver like Bob. Yeah, yeah, they had the best receiver. And then <laughs> well, Bill O'Brien, who uh, is about to get hired as Alabama's offensive coordinator, uh, just uh, just traded him away. Yeah, you have you had the best receiver in football. Then you get a David Johnson. David Johnson's not like terrible, but he's not great. He's older. He's not what he used to be. But like, I guess the thing for me is you you can hear the saying of mortgaging the future for the present. Well, you're mortgaging the future for the future in this instance because your defense, TJ Watt, is in what his fifth year next year. Yeah, I think he's playing on the option next year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so he's fifth year. He's not old. Deshaun's going to be in his fourth year or his fifth year next year. I'm not really sure which one. Six, I think. Is it six? No, 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 no fifth. I think he's, yeah, he's the same fifth. as uh, fifth. TJ Watt. Yeah, because yeah, they're forgot. in draft class. So they're the same age. Your best defensive player and what will become your best offensive player are the same age. Highsmith is young. Hayward's old. Tewitt's not terribly old, but he's getting older. Um, Hayden's obviously old, but like Sutton, Nelson – Hilton, I hope they bring back because without him, their defense might be kind of screwed again in the secondary. Fitzpatrick is very young. Um, Johnson, Edmonds. Claypool, you know, Edmonds back on defense. Washington, uh, Chooks and Dotson, a center if they draft one. Snell. I mean, everybody, for the most part, would be around that age. You literally could save the Steelers from having to go through three, four, five terrible years trying to get higher picks to draft players that they need. Well, I think, too, is that that's where the Steelers need to keep um, Kevin Colbert. Uh, exactly. Obviously, there's yeah, there's obviously rumors going around that he may join the Lions next year. But, I mean, we hope we keep Kevin Colbert because he's done so well as the general manager for Pittsburgh. He's He drafted Ben. He drafted like everybody that we that we've seen today and it, he's he's done an excellent job and I'd hate to see him leave. I completely agree. I mean, Dante, is there anything you wanted to add to the whole Deshaun thing or kind of like the future thing in terms of that um making a move to kind of I don't know, extend a window while changing the window, if that makes sense? Yeah. So, here's <clears throat> here's my thing. I think the move for Deshaun would be great. Obviously, you're adding a top, I'd say probably top five, elite, definitely top ten quarterback in the league. But 
I just I, I don't see how the Penguins or sorry Steelers <laughs> have We're still on that mode. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I don't see how the Steelers have the assets that Tex the Texans would want. I know they're kind of in a in a tough spot right now, but I just feel like like yeah, you can offer them three ones or two ones or whatever they would want. But I feel like there would be another team out there that would offer the same thing, and you know. Obviously, you're going to expect the Steelers to be a playoff team year in and year out, right? So that I, I feel like the Texans would be more inclined to accept a different offer from a different team. And then also, a couple things have to happen for him to be able to make it work because does his $40 million extension kick in next year, or is that the year after? This year. This year. So so Ben would have to retire. You'd have to know Ben. That you cut him, and you'd take the dead cap and move other guys out. The, yeah, the Steelers are not going to cut Ben. There's no way. So, but, if, but I think if Ben gets wind that Deshaun could potentially be like leaning towards coming to Pittsburgh, there's a chance he may say he's done. So you have to get, Ben's got to go one way or another. He's got to either retire or you got to cut him. That leaves you no cash to sign Juju because the Steelers are already projected, I think, like $18 million over the cap next year because it's decreasing to what, like 175 I think, because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So that leaves you. So you got to get rid of Ben. You're not going to be able to resign Juju. You're probably gonna have to cut one of your main guys, like maybe like a Tuit or a DeCastro, like someone. You gotta, you got, they're gonna have to free up the sixty million dollars somehow. Joe Hayden maybe, and then looking forward, like you, then you're gonna have to pay T.J. Watt after next year. So personally, I would rather see the Steelers trade, like use the draft capital to trade up and get one of the top three quarterbacks in the class and then be able to use that quarterback on his rookie deal. And that way you extend the window because then you could pay TJ Watt and then you could pay like this. You can pay to have all these players still around, you know, the young quarterback. Whereas with Deshaun Watson, like as good as he is, he's going to have that $40 million cap hit. And there's just no way you're going to be able to keep, you know, the same group around. Like if you, and, and that's the thing with me, like, do you, you have to figure out if you're the Steelers, you have to decide if you think this group is worth extending the window for, right? Because if not, then you just got to go full rebuild. Well, but that's the problem is they, they'll never do that as long as Ben wants to come back. But the problem with that is you're going to turn TJ Watt into JJ Watt about four years faster than that happened with JJ in Houston. You're going to waste his prime years on a team that's like borderline could have a good year, get into the playoffs on a wild card, but like definitely not the best team in their division. Right. And you don't want to do that. Like I would be more than happy to trade away Edmonds. No question. Get rid of Hayden. No question. Because the problem you run into is Edmonds will have to be re-signed. And same with Minka. We forgot about Minka. He's up soon too. Well, the Minka thing. The Steelers will pick up his, uh, sorry to interrupt, but. The Steelers will pick up his fifth-year option without no question there. And then it it should be like TJ gets the extension either this year or next year, and then Mika the following year. Okay, so – sorry, I'm going back to the cap hit real quick. Then I'll – Yeah, no, you're good. Watson 2021 has a $15.9 cap hit. His extension is not kicking until 2022. Jeez. And then it will be 40 in 2022 – 42 in 2023, 37 in 2024, and 32 in 2025. Because the way they loaded the uh, 
roster bonus thing in 2023, so that's not in the last two years. Um, but anyways, to your point about Minka, is like basically the only two guys on that defense, or the only three guys on that defense right now, Bush, Watt, Fitzpatrick. That's all that matters. The Hayward deal is going to bite them where the sun doesn't shine for three yeah. years. I love Cam Hayward. He's a fantastic player and an even better person. No reason they should have signed him to that kind of a deal. No chance. It was five he, years, right? Was yeah, it? It's, it was It was a while. Yeah, and um, he's – I mean – Yeah, it was five. He's not going to get the sack numbers because Watt and what was Dupree, now Highsmith, to it, they get the sacks now. You know, Hayward's more of kind of like a run stuffer. That's what he's turned into. He's not as fast and powerful as he used to be. Um, but that's one of those deals that you just can't trade. Like, that's one that you're going to have to cut or – yeah. I'm looking at it now, and so they would lose. So if they cut him pre June first for 2021, they would lose 1.6 million. So that's not going to happen. No, they they won't um, cut him, especially if Ben's coming back, because they know that like if Ben's coming back, you're keeping every defensive weapon possible. But they they wouldn't gain a significant amount of money back on the cap if they were to cut him until the fourth season of the deal. Mm-hmm. So he's you're pretty much tied to Cam Hayward for three years. Well, and Tuit's cap hit is fourteen million the next two years. Yeah, and his dead cap this year is twenty four million. Next year's only nine. So you could look into cutting him because you basically save five million. But why would you? Why would you cut Tuit? You know, I don't. I, I just feel like they're going to have to cut some. I mean, they're they're twenty one million dollars over the cap right now. I mean, someone ended up someone, being someone, Hayden. Someone I was going to go. I was going to say I hate to say it. Because I, because Joe Hayden has made a big difference in the Steelers secondary. He really has. He's been, he really rejuvenized his career or yeah, re elevated his career, I should say, when he came to Pitts, when he signed with us. Mm-hmm. So to see him go, to see him cut like that, it, it's, it, it's tough. It, well, it'd he, be tough to do. But I just don't. Do you Got draft it. a cornerback then? I mean, I know they're, they're projected they to draft one in the first round. <laughs> that's just that's scary to me. <laughs> we know their track record. With, with, yeah, I was about to say with our with our history in drafting quarterbacks, I don't trust it. Because I mean, Stephen Nelson, he's a nice probably number two, but there's no way that I can make I'd be comfortable with him being the number one corner. No, like, well, Hayden's cap hit next year is fifteen. His dead cap's only two, so you can save thirteen by cutting him. Yeah, they may have to. Unfortunately. Well, it's the only way you can get to the to the floor. Or oh, to the, man. To the I hate I hate that. I really do because I he says he wants to finish his career in Pittsburgh, and I want him to as well. But if Ben retires, I mean that that just fixes everything, though. And then they're twenty million under. So, but well, then, but, yeah, that's just go ahead. Go ahead, Zach. I would say, well, if Ben retires, then you can still cut Hayden, and that gives you fifty-four million dollars in cap room. You still you could possibly. Re- Go ahead. I was just going to say you could then possibly trade for Deshaun Watson at that point. Well, if Ben retires, you absolutely will give up anything to get a quarterback like that if he's still available. That's the big yeah. thing is if Ben's wanting to come back, it's not going to happen. But my whole right. thing is like if Ben retires, $41 million. If you cut Hayden, $54 million. If you get rid of or cut Vance McDonald, it's probably another like 4 or $5 million. You're looking at about $60 million, so then you can take the 15 from Watson this year, then you know it's going to bump to 40, which is a big risk. 
maybe you try and get rid of Cam Hayward and play like Bugs or something in that role because you're going to have enough cap to sign these guys. And Juju's not going to command the kind of money that people think he is because his production is not that of a number one. I mean, certainly he put up about 900 yards this year. What was it, like eight, nine touchdowns, something. But he's not putting up Antonio Brown consistently 1,300 yards and 15 touchdowns. He's not. And he's he's never going to get to that unless you pair him with someone like A.B. Well, and then hopefully if we resign him, then maybe Chase Claypool can develop into that number one role and Juju can get back to that being that number two. Because I, I, I agree with you. I think Juju's a number two guy. And because you can play him anywhere. You can play him in the outside. You can play him in the slot. Mm-hmm. You can probably line him out in the backfield if you wanted to. Not happening. But I, I really hope this. Yeah, I really hope the Steelers resign Juju just because he's such a lovable guy and he's been an absolute gem to the city of Pittsburgh with his positivity and his obviously his social media. Mm-hmm. I, I said this to you guys as well is that um, he does need to mature. There, there's no question about that. Um, maybe maybe Coach Tomlin or someone just needs to say, hey, like I don't care if you post on social media or do anything like that, but make sure it's respectful in some aspects. And then watch what you say in your press conferences because obviously that's something that Juju – that that that's something that got the Browns motivated for for this past weekend when Juju said that the Browns is the Browns. I mean, I, I still think maybe the media took that a, out of context just a little bit, but at the same time, I understand why it was disrespectful. Well, if you sign Juju, you put him in the slot, no question. You've seen the emergence of what James Washington can do when targeted. He becomes kind of your third receiver. You move Claypool to one, and if you want Deshaun bad enough, if Ben retires, you do two firsts, Deontay Johnson, and something else. Because if Juju's going to play here, he cannot be the the A-B kind of hybrid of slot, deep threat, underneath guy. You can't have four basically 1-B receivers. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think Johnson has more value than, say, a James Washington. You're not giving up Claypool at this point because he practically resembles Calvin Johnson and put up numbers similar to Calvin Johnson's rookie year. Granted, we threw the ball a lot, but still, I mean, Stafford threw the ball nonstop. But I think... Go ahead. I was just going to say, the only thing with Claypool is that I think he also needs to mature too because of what he said earlier this week. I think they're all going to get kind of that talking to about social media and like, we don't want a repeat of Antonio Brown. Yeah. Um, and you guys are too young and haven't done enough to talk like that. I mean, Juju has a 1,500-yard season under his belt, and he's been there for four years, five years. But, guys, you're still like 23 each. Like, chill out. Yeah. But I think if anybody that you would be willing to give up that has a ton of value, I'd say Johnson because Juju can play that slot role, no problem. Well, and Johnson's not actually- kick returning anymore. I was just going to say, like, here's a scenario. Even if Ben retires, do you maybe risk trading up in the first round in the top 10 to get a Kyle Trask or a Zach Wilson, Justin? I, I was going to say Justin Fields, but I doubt Justin Fields is there at like, I don't know if you get to like number seven or eight. I want Zach I Wilson. Zach, Zach Wilson yeah. would be nice for Zach sure. Zach Wilson is absolutely who I'm trading up for. Yep. If you're trading for anybody, it's not Fields. You're never going to get Lawrence. 
and you don't want yeah. Kyle Trask, you want Zach Wilson. Honestly, I think Tra- if, the, if they really wanted Trask, he would definitely still be there at 24 probably, I think. I think Maybe. more than likely it's going to be Lawrence Fields. The Jets move on from Darnold because they're probably going to want to move into that new age style of the mobile quarterback. And then it's between Wilson and Trask. And I'd say that not Sam Darnold. That's I, was, I was just about to say yeah, that. I, I was just about him. to think that. I don't want I, him. See, I, I'm not a big fan of Darnold either. I watched him a lot in college because, you know, I'm, I'm a Notre Dame fan and I watched, you know, Notre Dame USC. But um, <laughs> he just like, He's just, I don't know. He just didn't have, like, I got to see him in person, too, because I went to a game. He just, like, they absolutely just flustered him. Like, I just, I don't, I don't know. And he turns the ball over way too much, and he doesn't seem like he has a good deep ball. And I I don't, I don't know. I just don't think he has, like, I know it kind of sounds cliche or whatever, but I just, I don't, I don't know if he has it. But then again, look at where he's at right now with the Jets. So, I mean, if you put him on a coaching, a comparable coaching staff, that actually, like, believes in him. it with the Jets right now. Yeah, I mean that, that, and that's completely fair. But I'm just saying, like, even before like he got into the league, everyone was like talking about how he was the best quarterback in that draft. And I was just kind of like, eh, I mean, I, I don't really see what's so great about this guy. But I mean, like I said, you put him in the right spot and the right scenario and behind the right staff. I mean, he could probably do. I mean, he definitely would come cheaper than Deshaun Watson. It probably cost you a two or a three, maybe. Heck, they might cut him if they're going to yeah. draft Justin Fields, and you don't have to trade for him they but, would they would probably i mean it would cost you like a two or a three and he's still on his rookie deal so I yeah mean, yeah I, I don't know i mean i guess the whole narrative for basically everything so we can get into our picks here is that the steelers are a team that they need to figure out their aging problem and obviously their cat problem they need to figure out the ben situation and i think if pouncey retires not only does the money come off the books but um I think Ben would highly consider retiring because I don't think he wants to have to deal with JC Hassenauer. So, well, yeah, yeah. Just to follow up on that, I mean, those two are best friends. So, yep. if Pouncey goes, Ben goes, and vice versa. And at that point, you're going to get a ton of cap space back because then you can cut Hayden, you can cut Vance McDonald. Not that I would suggest it, but whatever. Um, and then you can worry about signing Juju, trading Johnson in the first for Deshaun, or trading for whoever you want. Like at this point, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, because you just need a quarterback to replace Ben unless you want to go full rebuild, but then your defense is way too good to go full rebuild. So yeah. um, that's the other problem is I think they have to make a move like getting a Deshaun Watson um, to kind of keep the defense having purpose. But I think out of the two guys, I'd rather have Zach Wilson, but Kyle Trask wouldn't be bad either. I just think Zach Wilson, because I think he went to a, he came from a colder weather state than Trask. I think I'd take somebody who's more experienced in the cold. Yeah, I think Zach Wilson is way higher upside just based off his traits. And I agree. Trask is, I, th- I think Trask is going to be he's going to be a little bit hindered by his um, immobile ability. I, I don't think he's that he can really move that well. So I think that's going to hurt him. I agree. I don't know. There's definitely he's definitely the last like after Trask. There's definitely a a, a drop off significantly with yep. quarterbacks. And the following year, the quarterbacks are terrible. So yeah, yeah I was going to say I don't, I don't know who the quarterbacks are in the. Next, for next year, so it's yeah. this I, year. I would have suggested even the Steelers taking the quarterback from Cincinnati, but he's going back like in the middle rounds because I, I think he's going to be really good. Uh, Ritter, he would have been a great project to sit behind Ben a year or something. Yeah, but I would agree. But uh, we'll get into our division round picks here. Um, don't want to spend a ton of time on them, um, but we have uh, the first one we're going to look at will be the 
the Browns at the Chiefs. Um, I mean, it's it's the best team in football versus a team who just looked like the best team in football. I think it's one of the more interesting ones this week. Because if the Browns play like they did um, this past week, they would actually give the Chiefs a good a good game. So, um, Dante, who are you going to pick here? I'm going to take the Chiefs just because of the Chiefs, but I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think it will. And because the Browns have that formula that we've talked about multiple times throughout the season to beat the Chiefs. You know, they have the running game. They have the line. They can control the clock when they need to. Um, I, I don't think that they're ready to knock off a team like Kansas City just yet. I think, you know, their defense is still a little suspect. Uh, Baker Mayfield, this is his first playoff run. I think he's going to learn a lot from it. And I think ultimately that the Chiefs offense is just going to be way, way too much for the Browns. But um, I expect Cleveland to come out same game plan as they did with the Steelers. Probably not jump out to as big as a lead within the first couple minutes or so. <laughs> but um, I expect them to chew up a bunch of clock. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be a lower scoring kind of back, not back and forth, but I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a lower scoring, like maybe like a, I don't know, 24, 13, something along the lines of that, because I think Cleveland's going to try to run out of the clock as much as they can and keep Mahomes off the field. But um, yeah, I'm going to take the Chiefs. Yeah, um, I'm going to agree with you. And you brought up like really <clears throat> all the points that I think all of us could say. <laughs> um yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think the Browns are ready for that big stage for the uh, not. Oh, well, I think they are ready for the big stage, but I don't think they're ready to knock off the defending Super Bowl champions. Um, I do agree. It's going to be a low scoring game. Uh, you're going to see a lot of Nick Chubb, a lot of Kareem Hunt for the Browns, and then we'll probably see a lot of Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, and Travis Kelsey. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to you know just be Patrick Mahomes. It might be a little bit more of a defensive game. Uh, I I don't know. We, we may expect a little rust from Patrick Mahomes since he hasn't played in two weeks. But, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Chiefs as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that this is definitely an interesting matchup, being that the Chiefs don't really chew a lot of clock. They score so quick. Um, they, they have that quick strike offense, and it doesn't matter how much time they have. But I agree that the, the Browns are going to chew up a lot of clock. They certainly have all season. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be the chiefs. I don't think that the Browns are ready. I agree with you guys. Um, and it's just one of those things that I think that the chiefs are clearly the best team in football and it's not close. They're just that good. Um, their contract printing machine go burr, you know, like that. So, um, they, they're just that good. Um, but then I think the Browns, like like you said, uh, they're going to gain a lot of experience from this uh, this mini run that they're going to go on. So, yeah. um, the next game we'll take the other AFC matchup. We're going to look at the Ravens at the Bills. Two interesting teams, two dynamic quarterbacks, um, weapons all around, and it's certainly going to be a game of basically who has the last possession. So, Eve, go ahead. This yeah, this game's interesting. Uh, a lot of run games, a lot of a lot of run game there. I know Zach Moss got hurt, but um, David Singletary or Devin Singletary is, um, you know, he's not, he's, he's pretty good as well. Um, two athletic quarterbacks. Um, but, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take the bills. I'm going to take the bills strictly off of Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. I, I really don't see, 
uh, Marcus Peters. I'm sorry. <laughs> I really don't see um, if Marcus Peters is lined up on Stefan Diggs. I don't know. I don't think Marcus Peters is th- good enough to keep up with him or to cover him. Maybe Marlon Humphrey, but definitely not Marcus Peters. Uh, but then I do expect a bit, a bit more of a defensive game. I think that the Ravens defense may play a little bit better than the Bills defense only because of, you know, Lamar Jackson and how athletic he is. But uh, just with how good Josh Allen is, he's an, he's for sure an MVP candidate this year. And his relationship, his connection with Stephon Diggs is by far becoming one of the best. Excuse me. He's becoming – those two are becoming probably one of the best – or not probably, one of the best – quarterback wide receiver duo duo of this of our time right now or the, yeah they're, they're starting to become that so i'm going to take the bills yeah this one's this one's a tough one um you know for all the reasons that you said and baltimore i mean we we talk about it a lot they've got the mo they won a lot of games towards the end of the year um they came in hot bills obviously the young up and coming you know we got the excitement around them, like you said. They got the Allen to Dix connection. Still have the defense. They're well coached. Um, you know, they're kind of rising up to the occasion. We're watching them grow up in front of our eyes. Um, you know, I talked about how Josh Allen. I always thought he was going to be the best quarterback out of that draft, and he came in extremely raw. And to see his progress has just been phenomenal. I mean, I've seen him. I mean, his progress is just nothing short of amazing um, compared to where he started. So, with that. I don't know, because we saw the Ravens kind of shut down the Tennessee offense, which, you know, is, is pretty explosive within its own right. I mean, they got, you know, weapons on the outside, Derrick Henry, obviously, um, Ryan Tannehill. And then, you know, you can compare that a little bit to the Bills, except the Bills don't really have the running game that the Titans do. And, and the Ravens just, you know, they run the ball. You know that, that you know it's coming, and they still run you over anyway. And I think that Buffalo's defense has been kind of, you know, suspect in that department. We saw it a little bit last week against the Colts with Jonathan Taylor in a nice game. Um, I, I just, I think the Bills' offense is going to be too much for the Ravens' defense. Like you said, I think Buffalo is going to get off to a hot start, and and that's the worst case scenario for the Ravens because we we know that they're a terrible team when they play from behind. Basically, probably just because of the style that they play. So I am going to take the Bills, but it's going to be by a, a, a really close game. I, I could see it going either way, but I'm, I'm leaning Bills. Um, I'm going to re- not reiterate a lot of what you said because I, I pretty much would have said the same stuff. Um, I just think that Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley, um, just too much for the the Ravens. They don't have the corners necessary. Um to handle all three um, because even if you shut down Diggs or you shut down John Brown, you got two that are still there. Um, I think Josh Allen's going to give that, uh, that Ravens defense some fits with his extending plays as well as his arm and his legs. Um, I think that even without a running game, it's, it's hard to shut down the bills offense because there are so many different ways that they can go about putting up points, picking up yards, whatever it takes. Um, and then I think the Ravens, too, um, like you said, they're going to run. You know it. It's the same thing as an Ovechkin slap shot. You know it's coming, but they still can't stop it. Um, <laughs> I just don't think that 
the Ravens are going to be able to keep up with the Bills. And I really think the Bills are a team right now that's, even with the the rough go against the Colts, um, they're kind of going to be clicking on all cylinders. Um, they have pretty much everything going right now. Um, and if their defense can step up a little bit more, they're going to be really dangerous. So I'm taking the Bills. Um, our next game we're going to look at will be um, the Packers versus the Buccaneers. Um, the Packers being the one seed had the bye, get to face Tom Brady. Um, no, 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 no. Oh, it's oh, Saints, Saints, oh. Bucks, Saints, Bucks. Yep, my bad, my bad. <laughs> I'm, an <laughs> I'm an idiot. It's all right. Um, Saints, Bucks. We're gonna just like keep it going here. Um, Saints, Bucks. Drew Brees, Tom Brady. The uh, battle of old school quarterbacks um, down in New Orleans. Uh, the Saints swept the Bucks on the season series two zero. Um, so we got a rematch. See if Tom Brady can pick one up here. Um, or if Drew Brees really has his number in this division. Um, take it away, Dante. I'm going to take the Buccaneers. And Ooh. I'm going to take the Buccaneers because of basically because of Tom Brady. No. But so I think that Tom Brady in his older age is has shown to be more capable and better than Drew Brees, whereas this season we've kind of questioned Drew Brees, like, is he ready? Is he ready to be done? Should they just roll with Taysom Hill? Because we've seen, you know, even the velocity of some of his passes where it's just the, the arm strength's just not what it used to be. And then with Tom Brady, it really we really haven't seen those issues yet. It's been more of kind of a getting on the same page, like new new team, uh, new scheme, you know, getting to know the new weapons outside, trying to figure out a role for everybody. And I think that that, kind of come I, I mean i know they had a rough go against washington but washington was no slouch i mean shout out to taylor heineke for that performance cause nothing short of amazing he earned himself a brand new contract in the nfl next year so kudos to you bud but um i, I think tampa bay is going to rise up i know the saints have kind of smacked them around the season but one of the narratives that led into the the, the I did it again the steelers and the browns game is that it's tough to beat your opponent three times in a year. And I know that the Browns won that last game against the JV squad, but we all know the Steelers would have won that game if they played their starters. And I think that kind of plays into this game too, where, you know, the Saints smacked the Bucks around a couple times. But, you know, it, to beat them three times in one season, that that's just like really unheard of because you know the other team's just going to get a bounce or something go their way. And it's, that's it's, that's how it's going to go. So I'm going to take Brady just because I, I think they're clicking at the right time. I know they had that struggled a little bit last week, but um, with all their weapons, with that defense, I, I think they're going to be able to outlast the Saints. And I could see this one being a shootout. So I'm, I'm going to go with Tom Brady and the Bucks. Yeah, I would uh, – I'm actually going to take Brady and the Bucks as well. I think their weapons and just Brady um, kind of – overwhelms just kind of what the saints have again drew Brees hasn't been the same it's pretty much becoming knowledge that this might be his last year or most likely is his last year um physically he's just not the same guy um michael thomas is still great emmanuel sanders is still solid camara is obviously just a freak um i just don't know especially indoors if they're going to be able to stop brady enough um yeah obviously brady played pretty much his whole career or played his whole career in cold weather up until this year. Um, but, you know, you got A.B., Mike Evans, Godwin, Gronk, Ronald Jones, Fournette. It doesn't matter. There's weapons all over the place. Um, 
I just think that the Bucks are a little bit too much for the Saints right now, and he's going to get uh, he's going to get the Saints back for two losses this season. So um, I'm taking the Bucks. What about you, Eve? So does this mean I have to pick the Saints? <laughs> I mean, not necessarily, but might be smart. <laughs> no, I I actually am going to take the Saints. I do like um, I I like the story that Drew Brees is writing right now. Um, obviously, this is most likely his final year. Um, you know, he didn't play great in the regular season, then obviously got hurt, but is now back for the postseason. And part of me, you know, a veteran quarterback like him, future first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback, definitely deserves to be to play in another Super Bowl. I mean, he's only won one. He's been to one and only won one. And I per, I really think that he deserves another one with with how his career has gone. So, but that that's not just the only reason why I'm taking the Saints in this. I'm also taking the Saints in this because I think with Drew Brees coming back for the playoffs at the right time is really helping the Saints is really helping the Saints on offense. You got Drew Brees, uh, you got <laughs> Drew Brees, you got uh, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook. You got you got a lot of op- offensive weapons here too. I mean, so we can't just ignore the weapons that the saints have on the offensive side of the ball, but look, look on the defensive side of the ball too. I mean, uh, Cameron Jordan, um, Marshawn Lattimore, Michael Jenkins, Malcolm Jenkins. Um, and then a bunch of other guys that can get to the quarterback and make plays on the ball. So that that's really the reason that I'm taking the saints in this. I do agree with you, Dante. It is very hard to, beat your division rival three times in a row, but I do think the Saints are capable to do that. So I'm taking the Saints. Definitely some interesting points. And I wouldn't be surprised if Saints, if the Saints and Drew Brees managed to pull it out. Um, Drew Brees is, like you said, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. So um, if anybody could do it, it would be him. Um, and it's interesting that these two are getting a matchup on what could potentially be both of their last years. Um, you never know what Brady's going to do. Obviously, like, like we mentioned it, probably is Drew Brees last year, but um, it certainly would be cool in a way to see uh, the two of them get to match up in a playoff round. Um, would have been cooler if it was a Super Bowl, um, but in their last year to kind of play each other and go out on that note. So um, our last matchup, now that I know who the other team is, uh, it's the Packers and the Rams. Um, it was not the Packers and the Bucks. It's the Packers and the Rams. The Rams coming off the win over the Seahawks, um, and the Packers coming off the bye is the one seed. Um, Jared Goff is back, um, most likely going to be playing this week. Um, and the Packers are well rested and uh, a little, a, a slight improvement in their health. So, um, Dante, go ahead and uh, take a stab at this one. Yeah, I am going to take Sean McVay and the Rams. Okay. And I think that for a couple of reasons. One, that defense, I mean, who would have thought? that after, you know, the initial Sean McVay phase where, you know, he's like the offensive genius type, you know, like the Rams are led by offense that we'd be sitting here two, three years later and talking about how good their defense is. And they're basically a defensive team now, right? Where their offense is meh, but they're being carried by their defense. So I I think that transformation within itself is (laughs) worth noting. But, um, you know, we saw how bottled up they made Russell Wilson last week in – they shut down that offense, and I know their offense is a little shaky. I know, but Jared Goff just coming off surgery. Um, Wolford got knocked out of the game. That was unfortunate, but um, I, I just think that this team 
is clicking at the right time, kind of like the Ravens, but I, th- I think the, the Rams have more talent than the Ravens do on um, on the defensive side of the ball. And with the Packers, you know, I've said this for a lot of a lot of the season. Like, they... I don't want to say they're overrated because they're not, because Aaron Rodgers is just absolutely just went off this season. But, you know, their defense has chunks in it. Their run game's all right. And, and they're going to be without Bakhtiari, right? I, th- I think he's yep. out. He's done. So, yeah. um, Rodgers isn't going to have his right-hand man there to protect him. I think they're going to take – I think the Rams are going to take absolute advantage of that, do some stunts, get Aaron Donald one-on-one with whoever's out there and, and exploit that matchup. But the Packers, they're just I – don't, I don't know. I, I'm not sold on them because I f- if they get punched in the mouth by the team that they play, they just kind of fold. Like, I don't know. I don't get a good vibe from the Packers whenever they – get against a team that, you know, shows up and, like I said, like, punches them in the mouth or if they go down early. Like, when they got absolutely beat down by the Bucks this season and and they just, like, that defense, I think they sacked Aaron Rodgers at the most that any, any team has this season. And they just got in his face all day long and made him miserable. And they just don't respond well to that. And, and I think Jalen Ramsey's going to be able to shut down Devontae Adams to a point. And, and looking at just the Packers in general, like they, I'm th- pretty sure they had the weakest strength of schedule in the entire conference this year. So I, I'm not going to say that they're overrated, but I think that's something that you need to definitely look at. I mean, their their division was kind of bad, let's be honest. And I, I don't know. Like I said, anytime they play a team that's really noteworthy, they, they kind of get punched in the face and they just kind of roll over, which in the playoffs, that that's not going to get you anywhere. And I know they made it to the, the conference championship last season, but I, I think this Rams team is going to be able to come out and do the things that I said kind of that stung them this season. And, and it's going to be interesting to see where Aaron Rodgers goes after this, because I think this might be his final game in green Bay. I'm taking the Rams. That's interesting. Yeah, no, I, I, I like your points. I, I really do, but um, I am going to take the uh, Packers in this game, mainly because of Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams, but I will say this. I think we're all looking forward to Jalen Ramsey versus Devontae Adams. Jalen Ram yeah, Jalen Ramsey still proving that, you know, he's still one of the best corners in the league. But then I think Devontae Adams is making a case for him as one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. I mean, yeah. he's definitely top two. Um it's definitely a toss up between him and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but the other things that we have to keep in factor is how healthy is Jared Goff because, you know, he didn't play his best game, uh, in Seattle cause he was the backup. And then, um, who was the, who was Wolford. the starter? John Wolford, Wolford. Right. Wolford. W- Wolford was the starter. And then once he went down, that's when, uh, Jared Goff came in. But, you know, I, th- based on what I've seen, that thumb is still bothering uh, Jared Goff, and then the other question is: is how healthy is Aaron Donald? Because he wasn't able to come back. He he got injured in the second half and then wasn't able to come back. There's definitely no way that he misses this game, so I expect him to play. But um, how serious is the injury, and will it affect him at all? Uh, come game time. But at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers still able to. Do the things that he that that he does, uh, able to find his receivers open deep. 
Um, and then, you know, his running game isn't bad either. Aaron Jones is no scrub. I know that Batiari was a big part of that offensive line, but when you still got Corey Lindsley at center and then, yeah, yeah, I can't name, I can't tell you who the other offensive linemen are, but <laughs> Corey Lindsley is still a big part of that offensive line. And I, I think that the Packers offense can definitely get it, to, get it done against the Rams defense. So I'm going to take the Packers. Um. I'm also taking the Packers. <clears throat> I'm of the belief that even if Ramsey shuts down Adams, which I don't think he's going to entirely, um, Rodgers has shown no problem with throwing a ball to Scantling, Alan Lazard, Robert Tunyon, or even just dump offs to Aaron Jones like 20 times a game. Um, I feel like the development of Valdez Scantling especially has really come along. He's kind of established himself into that number two role um, when healthy, and he does he does know how to catch a deep ball. He high points well, and he definitely makes the plays that Rodgers needs him to make. Um, and it is it's it's Aaron Rodgers, and it's hard to bet against him. Same with Tom Brady. Um, again, the health of Jared Goff, like you mentioned, Eve, is really my biggest concern. That and just is Cam Akers going to be able to produce the way he did the last two, last two games that he played in? Um, I'm not sure, and. Uh, you know, Aaron Donald, if he's not 100%, especially with torn rib cartilage like he like he has, um, it certainly hinders your strength and ability to use your arms the way that he does and all the torque, you know, spinning around guys, swooping under guys. Um, I, I'm going to be interested to see how well he does, but also I just don't know if the Rams quite have what it takes to beat the Packers. They've never really seen the Packers this healthy. Um, you think about the last couple of years they've made the playoffs, like, They've been missing just about everybody. <laughs> They've had some hurt, some injuries all year. They haven't had cohesion the way that they have this year. Um, I think this is a different Packers team. It's it's the kind of Packers team we haven't seen since 2010. So um, I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers. He's going to win the MVP. Um, Devontae Adams, I made the prediction, like week eight is the offensive player of the year. If he doesn't win it, he's pretty close. Um, I think that this- – No, he should be. If he, if he doesn't win, it's criminal. Well, I mean, 18 touchdowns or whatever he had. It's just ridiculous if he can't win. Um, yeah. He had like nine touchdowns in like four games or something ridiculous like that. He's, a, he's, he's absolutely offensive player of the year. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. I, I think that between the MVP, the offensive player of the year, and a pretty good defense on uh, on Green Bay, uh, I think that they're a much better team than a lot of people think. They A lot of people kind of write them off as they've folded the last few years, but um, again, health is a big thing, and I think this is a, a year that Aaron Rodgers, you know, with winning an MVP and having the Offensive Player of the Year, um, can really get it done. So, I'm taking the Packers. Um, that's kind of my quick, thoughts there. Yeah, quick note before we uh, wrap it up here, though. Um, you know, a couple couple weeks ago when we made our like um, predictions on who was going to win MVP and all that all that jazz. Uh, I did pick Patrick Mahomes to win MVP, but no, I, I got to change it. It's for sure Aaron Rodgers. If he doesn't win MVP, it, it's also criminal. 45 touchdowns in like, what was it, four interceptions? Yeah, I think it was four. Yeah. Yep. Th- that, that's insane. That's insane. Well, we our predictions, because Dante, uh, this was before you came back. Um, if you had Patrick Mahomes MVP, I had Rodgers. We both had TJ for Defensive Player of the Year. Which yeah. he should still win. Oh, I agree. And it, same thing with Adams. It's criminal if he doesn't win. Um, offensive player of the year, I had Devontae Adams. You had Kyler Murray. 
Um, coach of the year, we both had Tomlin, but that was while they were 10 and 0. Um, obviously, he's not winning that. We both had Herbert for rookie of the year. Uh, and before Alex Smith had really kind of gotten Washington into the playoffs, we had Ben for comeback player of the year. So um, some of them are still looking good. Others are not so good, but um, just kind of a little refresh as to where we stood week 11 when we made our picks. I think I got to change my offensive player of the year to, to um, as well to uh, Devontae Adams. Yeah. I mean, when you score that many touchdowns and play the way he did consistently week in and week out, it's kind of hard to go against it, but um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's our wrap and our predictions on, uh, the divisional round playoffs. Anything else to add anybody? No, I'm good. Yeah, All right. I, I think we, <laughs> <laughs> good All right, cool. So that'll uh, wrap up our divisional round episode. Um, we'll see you guys back here next week for the conference championship. We'll wrap up the divisionals and make our predictions for that. Um, and as well as the Super Bowl. So, um, we'll talk to you guys next week. All right. Have a good week, guys. See you guys.